Hello and welcome to What About The Music, a podcast brought to you by So Stereo. Today's guest is John Drawbar. He's currently head of production at Argonaut, an experienced production executive with a history of producing high quality creative. He's worked at some of the top creative shops in the industry, including Goodby Silverstein and Partners, Mullen, Arnold and RGA. So let's hand over to your host, Beto Azut. Awesome, John. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate the time. You know, we'd love to learn more about how you started uh, in the world of advertising. What led you to pursue a career in advertising? So I'm John Drawball. I'm the head of production at Argonaut in San Francisco and New York. Um, so, yeah, I've been in this business for a little while. Um, I started out in New York. Um, I didn't know anything about advertising. I'm, I didn't go to ad school. I didn't go to business school. Um, I was a theater major. Um, so my my experience with uh, advertising was really as a day job as I was pursuing a life in theater, directing and producing you know plays and stuff. Uh, so I, I ended up working at a place called Meservatiri Burger Mac Mischmetterer. Uh, it's now Havas. Um, and uh, so I, st- I got a job there as a temp. And um, my that was my job was answering the phone. So literally all day long, I had to say, you know, good morning, Mr. Petit Burger Mike Mishmetter. Good afternoon, Mr. Petit Burger Mike Mishmetter. And literally got job offers just on that. <laughs> because if you can do that all day and keep a smile on your face, you must be doing something right. Um, but yeah, so I worked there for several years, working my way up, uh, you know, through the administrative operations side, uh, working in the creative department. And eventually started in production uh, and was an assistant producer and um, worked there as a producer for several years. And then my wife got a job opportunity to San Francisco. So uh, we relocated to San Francisco and uh, worked here in San Francisco as a freelancer. I worked back you know, for my old agency in New York, but eventually found my way. Luckily, um, got my reel in front of Debbie King. It could be Silverstein and Partners. And um, got a job there as a freelancer and freelanced there for a while. Yeah, I have a question for you. So, I mean, it seems that at the beginning you were, you did a little bit of everything and sort of like every department. Is there a specific reason why you kind of like felt so good about production and, and just producing in general? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, like, you know, why did I end up in production? Um, kind of twofold. Um, I, I was working for like the creative directors as like their assistant and they were really good to me and they were giving me a lot of creative opportunities to like start to hone my skills as a copywriter. Um, but like I said, I had this other life where I was actually producing, you know, plays and directing plays and stuff. And um, I, I saw that at one point that like, if I went down one career path, it was going to, you know, I knew there's a lot of hard work in being a creative but I knew I really wanted to be on set and making films and stuff. So I kind of honestly saw the production path being a quicker way to be on set. Cause I know like, Hey, it's really hard to be a creative. You have to be, you have to produce ideas. And, you know, that's really hard to sell through ideas, let alone make them. At least I can be on the side where I'm always making something, you know, and generally it's going to see the light of day. So that was sort of my, and it, it was like, Oh, I can get paid to produce stuff versus like, you know, doing it on a shoestring. So um that was also appealing to me to be able to to go, go move into that like kind of filmmaking storytelling world so it just was a really it was a really good fit um i love the collaboration because you're coming up in theater it's a very much like hey let's put on a show kind of a feeling and um i love that idea of collaboration and um that's what i love about producing it's a truly collaborative you know discipline in, in advertising 
Yeah. When you went over to, to San Francisco, that's kind of like where you started more on the freelance side with a couple of agencies, right? And then from there, then got into, into full-time roles. Talk about like the difference between freelancing versus full-time. You know, is there like a specific, when it comes to music that we're talking here, the approach, you know, is, is it a different approach when you're freelancing versus, versus more full-time? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, I guess for me, there really um, isn't a difference. If anything, I, I always feel that those times when I was freelance, it was kind of nice because I was sort of like a fresh voice for the agency, like in the agency. So I did have the ability to maybe introduce new vendors to the party. So um, that was that was kind of cool. And I think appreciated by any of the agencies like long time ago and more recently that I freelanced that like I just brought like just a new bag of tricks to the party. Um, and I think that's I think that's fair because I at, at agencies when you're on staff for a while, you might get into a groove with certain vendors um, or, you know, you're working with maybe the same teams and they have like a comfort level. So it is a, maybe a little trickier to break out of that. But I, I always, music was so important to me personally that I constantly would be, you know, looking at reels and I like to keep it fresh myself too. I did, you know, of course I have my favorites, I have people I like working with, but I try to keep it like fair and like, not just go to like my usual favorites, but try things out too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, we're here to talk music, right? So it's very important. And obviously, you know, it's a companion to everyone. Uh, everyone is working and they have music on. I like to say that, you know, everyone in the, in the advertising ecosystem plays a big role when it comes to music because we're always talking about it. it, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're uh, a receptionist or a producer or a freelance producer or a creative director, everyone is talking music. So, you know, the, the conversations we have are important and, and addressing how important it is, is very important. At the other day, like a spot is, you know, you have 50% of it is video and then 50% of it is, is audio. Right. So um, I believe it's, it's a very important piece of it all. And, and, and we're just here to, you know, put more emphasis on it. So like, what was the first projects that, that really music played a big role in your career, right? Where either pick vendors, pick directions, work with the creative team. Like what was that first process for you? Yeah, I was I was lucky uh, talking about like early, you know, influence with music. Um, I was lucky that that my first agency um, when I was I mean I think I was maybe even still an assistant, just moving over to be an assistant producer. We had um, Philips Electronics, and we actually licensed uh, "Getting Better" by the Beatles. So I right away I, got, I literally remember like someone walking down the hallway with the very large check that was going to go in FedEx and go to the record company. Uh, and that was a really big deal. But the cool thing about it was we did re-records. So um, we had a music supervisor who, as an assistant producer, those things kind of fell in our laps a little bit to like help manage. So uh, we had a great music supervisor who, you know, owns his own company now um, that, that found all these great hot new bands and had them, do demos of the song and eventually um you know they would go on those tv spots or be used in other places um uh, so that was that was pretty cool like i think at the time like we used uh, gomez was the band who ultimately was like kind of the hero i think i don't know if warm jets ever were on or not but i know we had demoed them some other like bands at that time you know this is you know late late 90s <laughs> early 2000s so um it was pretty cool to get that exposure and then yeah like on my own, I started producing like radio spots and I had a campaign that was, um, you know, doing jingles 
but in the in very specific genres. So we did like a boy band and we did like an indie band and we did like, you know, all these different genres. It was, it was, it was really fun. Um, and it was a lot of fun for the music house to like compose these tracks, but, you know, kind of in your world, like make sure they sound like a real band. So of course they, their composers and stuff were in real bands anyway, or, or they hired in musicians who were at that time just weren't like, you know, music company, like musicians, they were actually like band members. So that was really fun. Or the voices and stuff, you know. From a production standpoint, there's so many directions that you could go, right? You can go custom, you can go recognizable song, you can go stock, you can go independent artists. Like there's so many options out there, so many vendors. So, and what I've seen is every, every producer, every creative, everyone has kind of like their own uh, process uh, as to how to approach music. So curious uh, to you, like how do you normally approach music uh, whether it is uh, brainstorming on a project with creatives or you know, how does that normally start for you? Yeah, um, I mean, generally at Argonaut, we're, um, we're involved in the creative development process, you know, through not, not just internal reviews and like looking at production feasibility, but being, you know, helpful and adding value to the creative team of thinking about all the aspects of the production. So Ultimately, when ideas should start to come together, um, music should start to be a discussion. Yes, some are music-led, and that becomes an easy conversation. You kind of have direction on what you need to do. Other times, it may not. But for me personally, it's something I talk about and ask my team about when we're you know, getting close to getting an idea across or as I'm starting to break down the script to figure out what the cost might be or how we might pull it off. That's one of my first questions, you know, as much as, as important as, who are some of the directors you're thinking of or editors that you like? And the other question is like, what are you guys thinking about music? You know, should this, um, you know, should, should be needle drop or should we score? Should, it does it require like a known track? And, you know, I, I can have that because I want to have that push and pull as well of like, where do I spend my money in the right places? Like if, if they're feeling like, ah, we need just a music bed and we could probably, do, you know, find something, you know, and license it. Um, and I'm like that, you know, I can put that money in other places, but you know, you and I know that music can kind of get short shrift because of the type budgets we have. So I do like to protect it. I do like to make sure that, you know, we're, we're being, you know, we're not just spending money to have money. We're spending money really efficiently for the idea and for our budget and getting the most out of it. Um, and you, you, we talk about music, we talk about sound. I also love to make sure we have time or budget set aside for sound design as, as well, because that can make or break a spot as well but um yeah music is so important to me just that's i love music personally and it's always so important it's what makes a spot amazing or any project amazing you know really helps through um so yeah it's, it's all about like figuring out all the options that's why i love it. it's so different now like you can license a track with you know uh, an emerging artist and you know maybe if there's even some kind of collaboration or buy-in from that artist like you can get something out of it for everybody. Um, and yeah, there's great library or stock tracks out there that are, you know, much further along than they used to be. Um, and of course, like scoring is awesome too. When you have that ability, that's, that's amazing. You know, and you, you get that sense of like all those beats getting hit perfectly um, to your narratives. Just to go back to what you said earlier, you said, you know, a lot of times when, when music is, is kind of like the campaign, whenever, you know, a campaign is, tied into a specific song or a specific artist, right? You know, we see that it has the full attention, full priority. Most of the budget maybe goes there. But it, sometimes, oftentimes, like we see that unless music is the campaign or it's kind of like the key item, music then gets 
you know, is, is the last thing on a campaign line and more priority list, right? So like a lot of times like we see, oh no, we just need kind of like a background track. We just need like something quick. Uh, it's not that important right now. Uh, let's, let's worry about that later. And then all of a sudden you have two days to ship and it's a race to find something. So like, what do you think can, we can do to face that? Obviously like there's timing issues and stuff, but. It, it comes down to like, I mean, hopefully the creatives are in, are into music or thinking about it. If not, like that's really on a producer. Um, I think it's about like bringing in the right vendors and partners early on too, when you start to talk about something, you know? Um, I mean, I love it when there's a potential of you have a staff music supervisor or maybe a project's able to, to your, be able to bring one in on your, so on your project. So that's always super helpful or, you know, you have you know a department that, that specializes in music. Um, you know, the, the other thing that kind of gets, gets you in front of the music, I think, is also like, you know, if it's a video and you're talking to a director, usually they have pretty strong opinions, you know, making sure a conversation is happening and music is part of it uh, from with the director, uh, with the editor. I mean, a lot of times, you know, editors are, you know, I mean, A, they can be some of your best sound designers, but they have great taste. Um, they're thinking about things like tempo and rhythm and tone when they're editing that they usually have a really good sense of music. So I, I rely on my editors a lot too, to start to bring something to the party. Um, I think it's a collaborative thing where for sure, like, you know, I've had the instances where the directors had a really strong vision. They may have recommended uh, a partner to come in and, and work with us, which is great. Um, or they may have at least instigated it. So we start to think of it as an agency like, oh, yeah, let's talk to so-and-so. Let's see what you can figure out here. Um, or let's at least talk to a couple different people. And um, and in that way, like, hey, like, I'm just doing a search for an edit. Can you help me? Um, that's been really helpful too, to, to go to a, a trusted vendor or partner and say, you know, here's the tone. We don't like, cause sometimes it, but they, they don't know. And, and sometimes, you know, we're moving so fast. Sadly, maybe they don't have a moment. We don't have a moment to really think about it until we're like on the shoot. And then we're like, Oh yeah, we're going to edit tomorrow. Uh, what, what are we doing for music? Where the editor is like, "Hey, I got the footage. What are you guys thinking for music?" And we look, look at each other blankly. So I, I try to make sure that we we're, we are talking about, it, we're thinking about. It. I love to pull tracks ahead. Uh, the, you know, again, some teams are really great at that. Like, oh yeah, I totally thought like this track would be amazing. Even just like a guide track um, for tone or feeling. Um, so I like it to be totally collaborative. I don't think it's all going to come from one place. I think it's great to to, to tap into you know music specialists uh, and and you know, have them provide some guide tracks for us to just start working off of. Um, and then, yeah, once we get a rough cut together, depending on what the situation is, um, I want to get that over to my music partner. Um, and yeah, like, Hey, what do you have that we can license? What do you have? You know, what about scoring it, you know, briefing in, um, you know, how we want to um, approach the music on it. So, um, and, and I think I like to keep it open and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of places can do everything. They can give you light library track, a cheaper licensed track. They can do a, uh, you know, a re-record for you if you're already licensing the, the publishing um, and obviously they can do scoring. So I love that aspect that, that a lot of music production companies can like give you even a few ways in too, like, Hey, you know, we know you don't have money for this maybe, but like, I don't know, cause is this an investment somehow? Like there's this, you know, this great band. I'm just using crazy example. Like you just hear this song. It's so great. You know, maybe you guys can get it. Um, so um, yeah, looking at every, every single option, I think is, is really cool. Um, and just 
not not waiting to the edit to talk about it, but that's when the rubber hits the road on it. I get it. And I love those sessions where you're like, yeah, it can be frustrating when you're sitting there and you're trying track after track after track. And, you know, I think a frustrating thing is demo love, <laughs> you know? Um, and you talked about like how important music is and everyone has an opinion. Like that's kind of the give and the take. It's great. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone loves music. Um, like I don't understand those people who are like, you know, what do you like? What kind of music do you like? And they're like, oh, whatever's on the radio. And I'm like, what? <laughs> how is that possible? But, you know, and, and I haven't found that with, with clients or, or agency side of people not having a, an opinion on music. So um, that's probably the other frustration of everyone is a music expert. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably the other like frustrations are, yeah, the timing. Sometimes we are moving so fast. Sometimes people aren't able to think through, you know, the crafting of what we need. Um you know, keeping track of what we've tried, what we didn't try. Also keeping track of like when it comes to like, you know, tracks that are licensable from a library or whatnot, or or they're, you know, real tracks, quote unquote, like how they're being used. Um, that can get tricky. Um, we had some instances where we were really close to licensing a track and we heard it on something else. It was not an exclusivity issue, but, you know, we were trying to do something a bit, higher value creatively and production value wise. And we heard it on something that wasn't so awesome. So uh, you're like, Ooh, that, that we, we kind of missed that one in a good way. Like, um, and just being original too. like, you know, someone will reference a famous spot that has a famous track on it. And you're like, but that's not this. Are we trying to like shoehorn in like what, like what's original for our idea um, and making sure we're either not like, you're leaning on, you know, whatever trend of the day is or whatever the top 10 TikTok songs were, you know, like, and that can be great. I mean, we do that a lot. We lean into that, you know, that's like a known quantity, known like Billboard 100, right? But at other times, if you're trying to do something to break through, like how do you find that really original track? You know, you, you think about some of those famous tracks, you know, the, like the Volkswagen spots from years ago that just like those tracks cut through uh, and they were original. So I think that's also like the goal here is like coming up with something really original. Yeah. It seems like playing devil's advocate throughout the process. Like, Hey, is this as original as it can be? Is this as unique as it can be? Are we really making sure that we're covering our basis? Like, you know, asking yourselves all those questions, all of that uh, requires time, right? Uh, and a lot of times you don't have time. So um, no, but that's, that's great feedback, John, for sure. I mean, something probably worth talking about too is diversity of perspective as well. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes, you know, advertising people can be talking to advertising people. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the predilections people bring in the room, um, our clients bring to the room. So I think it's also making sure you're getting like a diverse perspective on your work and that's every piece of it so so making sure you know if it's if you're not getting like other points of of view in the room um you're shopping around making even having the client shop it around on their end and and we shop it around on our end with you know different people on our staff like hey does this feel fresh is this right like you know i know i'm a, a guy of a certain age like i'm not going to be up on like maybe what like the greatest coolest track is but i have a great knowledge of a history of music you know that i can pull from but so i think it's like that authenticity check too and that originality check and and making sure that our work is uh like representative and diverse you know 
you know, appropriate for the subject because we are obviously a, a, we have a big emphasis on making sure that you know we're diverse in front of and behind the camera and our ideas are diverse. Like let's make sure that our music is matching everything and we're not like shoehorning something that doesn't make sense. No, that's that's all great information. What are some examples of kind of like where music played a pivotal role in your career? Like any any specific campaigns or projects where you look back and you say, wow, like, you know, this one really made a mark. Uh, this one I'm really proud of. You know, examples where, where music, not necessarily led the campaign, but where really contributed to the success of it. Yeah, I mean, there's, I've been lucky and I've been doing this a while. So I have a lot of like, uh, really amazing experiences with music. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll just go through a bunch of them and, you know, um, you know, like it was really fun when I, I worked on Denny's and we did this kind of side campaign with Nanorpus became the most famous kind of viral video out of it uh, and Pancake Island and some of these other like funny food videos. And, you know, the idea was to kind of parody these like sugary sweet breakfasts and, having like a custom jingle track made to these ridiculous situations was really fun. You know, it was all part of the idea, but it elevated the idea. And then the jingle of Nanorpus like took on its own life and became, you know, a viral video when viral videos were just becoming a thing. So that was a really interesting example of like how even like the song lived beyond, like people would remix the song and then cut it to their own video and stuff like that. It was, that was pretty interesting. Um, like the placements, uh, when I worked on Dickies, just placing some songs and from artists that you never get the opportunity in advertising. Like we use this like amazing lead belly track, be able like one of my highlights of my career saying I like licensed a Daniel Johnston song. I mean, and that's pretty rare in the world of advertising. Um, that was pretty cool. And using like artists like the Barcays and, and stuff like that, like just, you know, harking back to different time periods and not necessarily like doing something like whatever is like hip at the moment, but something that is timeless or um, just really helps, um, you know, the, the story. So that was really cool. Um, I mean, something amazing. We I worked on um, uh, AIDS, A-I-D-E-S, which is the, um, it's a French uh, charity for HIV um, AIDS awareness. And um, we created this, this short film with an animated cat called Smutley, who lived his nine lives through promiscuous sex. Um, and the idea was based upon like, you know, could we get bad reputation and uh, by Joan Jett. Um, and, you know, everyone works pro bono on that account. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, put together a package for, for Joan Jett, uh, you know, telling her about the idea about the charity, what our idea was. And, I mean, it's a pretty crazy film with this cat doing quite, <laughs> quite amazing things. Um, and she's obviously a super cool human being. And uh, we got it to her. Uh, she responded really quickly. Uh, she responded so positively and so generously. Uh, with with you know allowing us to use her song uh, as is um, and you know, she supplied splits and it was really amazing and it's a big part of her like charitable work as well she does a lot of work in the the uh, HIV AIDS area so it was a great combination of like you know the right kind of movement and with the right artist doing some good in the world that was pretty epic starting to interrupt but a lot of times when when you're working with with artists you know primary reaction is oh it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to be very expensive. And, and you get into a frenzy, like, what do I do type of thing? And so like, but, you know, like a lot of times when you go to an artist and, and you bring the idea and they actually like it, uh, it's surprising how, 
how easy it is to work with artists because of their excitement and, and their connection to the idea, right? Yeah, exactly. There were re- yeah, she was obviously connected to the charity and you know the message, and then obviously was entertained by our creative content and how important her song was in it. Um, so it was, it was just yeah, one of those perfect storms of you know the right the right creative with the right you know artist. Um, when I worked at Mullen uh, on Acura, our entire TLX campaign was very music driven, and really like each spot had like a bespoke piece of music that was generally licensed. So we worked with Scott Venner, uh, the famous music supervisor from Entourage. And um, he plays such amazing tracks for us at such a variety of budgets, you know, um, you know, we got at that time, this is a little bit ways back now, but you know, RJD2, Major Laser, we got a Kinks track, Ludacris. And coming out of that, I mean, he was awesome to work with and just had such killer instincts and great taste. Um, it just really set the stage for the brand that the brand was going to be known for this of having like great taste in music. And so one of my absolute favorite moments, part of that campaign, we um, we had to license or we wanted to license my way, um, but the seditious version. And just so just like that undertaking and the complexity of all the rights holders, uh, the estates and the personalities with the sex pistols. Um, it was really interesting and well, you know, I have a lot of stories around that and, and definitely was, uh, an important part of my, of, of understanding music in my career. But the one that kind of blows my mind is funny enough is when we licensed, where is my mind, uh, the Pixie song, uh, and we worked directly with the guitarist of the Pixies, Joey Santiago on it in that, um, early on, um, this was a track that was inspiring for the creative team. And um, we we went to the publisher, went to the Pixies, and said, "Hey, we'd like to use the song, but we were we were thinking about doing a re-record of it." So initially, we were just going to get the publishing, and because um, we didn't want to use the original master, and you know, we heard back and like, "Yeah, we're totally open to this." And then Mr. Santiago was like, "Well, I'd love to do this for you," and we were like, uh, "Yes, please." <laughs> um, so I mean, I just remember being like a teenager and discovering the Pixies and like, oh my gosh, the most amazing band ever to like years later, like being in Joey's home studio and he's playing back a version of his song for a spot I'm working on. He's asking my opinion, uh, you know, and I have to say like, you know, one of my feedback was like, can you keep, can you keep turning your guitars up? Cause his guitar playing is amazing. <laughs> uh, so I, I was probably the worst person to ask my opinion because I think, you know, he couldn't have done any, anything wrong on the track. But um, that was something that just was like, you know, if I would talk into like the 16-year-old version of myself, I would have been like, are you crazy? You're never going to work with Joe in your life. And we, it was part of the Grammys. So it, it, uh, it premiered on the Grammys. And um, just to get a text from him, like in real time in the Grammys, like, Hey man, like when's our when's our spot coming on? And you know, him like, hey, it sounds great. I'm like, yeah, thank you. You know, it's just like, yeah, career making. Like I'm done. Like I'm good. It's a great story. There's so many new things going on. I mean, there's so many new companies uh, doing great things. I mean, what 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 direction would you like to see music taking advertising? Like? Yeah, you know, I would love to see you know more creative that is really truly driven by audio and music. And, you know, done in maybe in a really innovative way. I mean, there's definitely been projects and things I've worked on over the years where it's like, you know, mix your own song or 
things like that, which I think are super cool. Because again, I think people love music. Um, it's music is, you know, such a part of our humanity. I mean, not to get like, I, I, I was watching Dr. Cornell West um, masterclass, and he, he talks about that musicians are the vanguard of the species. And I totally agree with that. I mean, what other art form can reach you so deeply? Um, and it's sounds at a certain you know, <laughs> a certain pitch in a certain order, you know, it's pretty incredible. Um, so I think it's like, it's just so inherent to our humanity. So I think the more creativity can embrace music and not think of it as an afterthought, not think of it as, oh, just a bed of music. It's like, it's always going to be important. Um, but finding those opportunities where like music is driving the creativity, like how do we use music with technology? Definitely in, in these, you know, out of video experiences, you know, out in the world, interactive experiences, or, or actually in like real time customization kind of ways. Um, I, I experimented with that on a project. Um, you're getting like different tracks, uh, for different scenes or uh, a cut that's like the nighttime cut. So that music's going to be a little bit different than the daytime cut. And that's going to even like be served up at those specific times today. So that kind of stuff is cool. You know, I love the stuff where um, like Travis Scott's Twitch concert, like I think that's brilliant. I think the more that we can see of those kinds of partnerships, uh, different, you know, music on different platforms. Um, you know, I love when music is really important to the creative um, and then then sort of begets its own life. Um, I'm meaning, um, if you remember there's that Squarespace campaign a while ago with the sleeping tapes by Jeff Bridges. I love that. They created a real product and then you could get these tapes or these recordings. And um, I thought that was pretty amazing. I love it when sometimes the budgets we do have is to embrace artists that maybe aren't the most mainstream or, you know, certainly people in the know know that artist, but like your everyday person isn't going to like, um, you know, I know like we all know Thundercat and he's amazing, but like to hear Thundercat on a Diet Coke spot is pretty cool. Like that, that doesn't happen every day. And I, you know, I love that, you know, I think Apple really opened that up a lot. They get, they get a lot of credit for it, I guess, but you know, using these like cutting edge artists or breaking artists through music. I mean, it's powerful. I mean, you and I know that like the last two years have sucked for musicians because uh, they haven't been able to tour. So, you know, I'd like to think that we can do a little bit there on our end of like giving work to these artists, um, you know, licensing tracks, you know, um, giving people a break, giving people the exposure and the platform that may lend them on. I mean, I love the experiences of, uh, you know, licensing a track for, you know, a, a breaking band and like knowing that like, yeah, I mean, I know my budget was tight and and I'm and they're, you know, letting me use their song for a short amount of time for this brand. But I also know that money's like paying gas for their van or like buying them a new PA system or something. And that's pretty cool, you know, to know that you're at least supporting, you know, music and musicians in some way. Yeah. I mean, there's numerous ways to get music heard nowadays and, and brands have a major opportunity. Uh, before it was like, you know, it was the record label's responsibility to like make sure that the artist is heard, that the music is distributed, that a lot of people are are hearing it. But if you think about it, brands, you know, have a major opportunity to really influence uh, the career of an artist, especially like breaking artists. So like, uh, I mean, there's 22 million songs uploaded to Spotify every year. And the majority of those, right, I would say 90% of those are, are artists that are kind of like, you know, on the smaller level, whenever 
a brand licenses uh, a song from an artist, that's the beginning of a relationship. It's the easiest way for a brand and an artist to work together. Hey, let me license your song. But maybe that's the beginning of something more fruitful down the line. Uh, and the sky's the limit. Uh, and we've seen that so much within so many examples. So this is great. John, what advice would you give to aspiring producers uh, that are coming up now? Uh, how to best approach music and kind of like what mindset they should have when it comes to music. What you're just saying too, it's kind of all goes together. Like we talk a lot about at Argonaut of, you know, we want to make culturally relevant work and culturally affecting work at Argonaut. We are, you know, our goal is to make the world's most valuable creative, right? To do that. Music is such a, like almost like an easy way into culture, right? It's so important. And so I think I would always just say like to any of my, my junior producers, like start talking about music and creative development and, and think of it from a that cultural standpoint too, not just of like, oh, what is, of course, what, what the story is we're telling and the tone is important, but how is this going to fit into culture? What are, what is that? What does that mean? You know? Um, and the other thing is to be flexible, look at it from a lot of different angles. Um, you know, um, you, and, and, and help explain to the clients, you know, so our clients may not understand it. And I think, like, take the minute to, to talk to them about music. So you're not just like launching it on them and saying, oh, we found this track. What do you think? Like, like part, truly partner with them. That's how we approach things at Argonize. Like they're a collaborator. They're putting their brand on this, you know, and this music is going to be associated with their brand. So it's got to make sense. And it's going to serve all of our needs to be culturally relevant and to move the needle to get awareness uh, for this band to then or musician or the song to have uh, some value in that in that space. Um, so I think it's like, look at all the solutions, um, you know, listen to all the opinions in the room, uh, work with your directors or editors. I mean, a great example of like a very famous you know, director and musician relationship is Angelo uh, Badlamenti and David Lynch. I mean, you think about all his films, I mean, there's just such a specific tone. <laughs> and, uh, you know what a David Lynch film generally is, and that's partly because of the music, right? And that relationship that they have, it, they would have songs before they, you know, before they filmed and while they were filming. And it, I'm sure it, it changes um, during the post-production. You can't dismiss the importance of music. That's, that's my biggest advice. Like, No, that's great feedback. I think that every producer, in a way, should have a music supervisor in them internally, right? Whether they have a music supervisor or not, it's always good to have some of those skill sets. Um, no, but that's great. And, and, and John, what have you been listening to recently? Yeah, I mean, what am I listening to right now? I listen to everything, and, and that's not an answer. But um, I, have a, I have a vintage 1960s hi-fi. So that's my major listening device. And so it's definitely about records, right? And um, so I definitely have a little bit of a focus on um, like 60s, 70s soul, um, Funkadelic right now is on the turntable. I was just listening to uh, Candy Stanton the other day. Um, I'm a you know I was a, a was a jazz fan since like high school, um, so I generally have Mingus ready to to go on. Um, Better get in your soul is like one of my favorite songs. Um, uh, we love Coltrane in my house, so we usually have uh, uh, Coltrane available, um, and. I definitely have like a, a pattern too. like Sunday morning. I'm keeping it easy. 70s easy, man. Um, I got, I have uh, Crosby's. If I could only remember my name ready to go, that's my go-to. 
Uh, it may be me as Harry Nielsen. America's Greatest Hits. I just got that reissue on uh, uh, Record Store Day. Um, so uh, that's my my seventies easy listening vibe on uh, Mondays. Um, yeah, we just had Record Store Record Store Day drop. That's like when we do in my household. That's like another kind of Christmas and. Um, yeah, we funny enough, I we picked up the Big Night soundtrack. So totally random. We we are fans of soundtracks in this house. Um, but we got that, and that's been a favorite. Like we get a lot of a lot of play out of that one because it's like these fun Italian songs, you know, and you're cooking or eating dinner. Um, I had a birthday recently, so I got Orville Peck's Bronco um on vinyl. Such a I mean, his voice, like I was like, who is this? What am I listening to? And, I mean, it's a great album. Um, really enjoying Angel Olsen's new album. Um, so maybe a little countrified thing going on in my head now. I don't know. I mean, you always have like different go-tos, right? You have like a 60s vibe, you have a 70s vibe, you have more of a soundtrack vibe, and, and you can tap into that. And yeah, no, this is this is great, John. I mean, we could talk we could talk music all day, uh, right? We could talk music all day, and, and this has been great. I mean, I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, thank you for coming in and, and talking music. I mean, definitely... Definitely, we've made it more important now. Uh, so I appreciate you. Appreciate appreciate the time. Thank you so much, John. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I really had a great time talking about music. I, again, we could go on for hours. So thanks for having me.